When I prayed about uh, what the Lord would have me share, when the invitation came, I think it was early August, uh, pretty quickly the Lord led me to John chapter 21. And I want to share it to you from that chapter, which is where the Lord restores Peter. What an incredible place in Scripture. And it's a beautiful place, and I just know it's for us right now in this moment. Uh, You certainly can turn there, but I want to give you a little bit of background with the time that we have, which almost takes us to John 18, because I believe that John 21 is really almost the, it's like the Lord's response of unfinished business between him and Peter. And you see it happening and unfolding there, but the the things that took place in John chapter 18 are actually, uh, I believe, what's happening in 21, where the Lord is taking care of unfinished business. And we'll talk about that. Of course, you remember in uh, John's gospel, the way he puts it, from chapter 13 all the way through 17 and 18 there, it's all in like one day. Uh, Jesus is with his disciples. They're having the Lord's Supper. Everything is great, except Judas, right? Uh, but then Judas, he, he takes off. Uh, they, they're, they're doing it all together. Then they leave. They step out. They go to the garden to pray. And in that garden, Judas comes with this band of soldiers. They are, he, you know, he kisses the Lord, really, and then, and then he's betrayed, uh, and he, he's, the Lord is arrested, and the disciples, it says, every one of them forsook him and fled. Uh, but, but Peter followed at a distance with John, it says. And um, then in Luke, when you read the story in Luke, it says, on the third time, now Jesus, sorry, Peter, you know, denied the Lord three times. And, uh, and Jesus said it. He said it to him. It's going to happen. Listen, I won't deny you. And they all said likewise. If you search the Gospels, they all said likewise. But G- Peter was emphatic. I will not deny. I'll, I will die for you if I have to. And Jesus says, really, before the rooster crows in the morning, you will deny me three times. And no one had any idea what was going to take place that evening except the Lord himself. Luke tells us that on the third time when he denied him, it says, immediately while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered what Jesus said just hours earlier. Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And Peter went out and he wept bitterly. He wept bitterly. Why do you need to know this? Because I believe that even as we saw already, but from here forward, there is some of us, many of us, all of us, struggling with this brokenness inside of us, this sinfulness inside of us, this weakness inside of us, and the Lord does not want to leave us in that place. And I believe that's why He put this on my heart for you this morning. He doesn't want to leave you there. He doesn't want to leave any of us in that place. He wants to make things right. I have a story for you. Years ago, we used to have something on this campus called camp meeting. And camp meeting took place, I guess, from the time that they moved to this campus and probably before that until, I don't know, the early 2000s or so. And uh, during camp meeting, we had different places. We'd have a tent out front there, kind of in the, not this parking lot, but the other parking lot. That spot was level. We put a tent there the first few years, and we would have uh, incredible times there. And then later, it moved down to the 
kind of you go to the, make a left by the pond and then it would have been off to the right there. And we had some really good times. But when it was back in those days, um, I was leading the, the teen ministry at that time in the summer. We'd come together from about Friday night to the next Saturday, eight days or so. And, uh, and during that time, it was a Friday night at the end, I said, let's have some questions and answers. And the kids, you know, start asking questions. And I thought, this will good. You know, well, I'll show them all that I know from the Scriptures. I don't know what I was thinking, honestly. Um, but, but anyway, so, so kids are asking questions. And then somebody asks this, and then a hypothetical, and then, okay. And then I answer a question. Okay, we all go home. Well, the next morning, the president at that time, who was the gentleman my wife just mentioned, Paul Johansson, he said, I heard that you said this. And then I heard you said it again. Another person confirmed. He had two grandsons who were probably sitting there. They're probably like, yeah, he said that, you know. So anyway, so then um, he said, okay, you, you got to correct that tonight. Uh, so it was a Saturday night. There was one last chance. So I, I, I was able to clean what, up what I said and uh, kind of make it as right as I could with hopefully everyone who heard the words on Friday was also there Saturday or most of them anyway. And then... Um, but, but what happened was this, that, that ended, I just felt horrible, absolutely horrible, because I felt, you know, responsibility. When you stand in a place like this, any pulpit, you want to respect this. I don't just mean the pulpit, but the, you know, some cultures, they, they walk up to this and they bow in respect, not because they're the one that's sharing, but they, they respect and honor this, you see? Well, I just felt awful, and it was probably Wednesday or Thursday of the next week. He called me into his office, and he said, okay, let's, let's just talk about this. And what he was able to do was break down some things of what I said, and he said, the hypotheticals can mess you up. He said, don't, you know, don't, don't ever entertain that stuff, because you have no idea where it's going. Stick to the biblical principle. This is, you know, whatever the Bible is, is principle-wise. And then uh, he was able to reassure me some stories from his own life, et cetera. And, and after that, it was like a weight lifted off of me. So I didn't do what Peter did here, right? This is, this is maybe worse, right? It made biblical attention. But, but it, whatever the thing is for you, whether it's sin, whether it's a major failure of some kind, whether it's denying the Lord, I, I don't know, whatever it is, God doesn't want you to feel alienated from him because of that thing in your life. So here it is, it's, it's after the resurrection, right, and before Pentecost, and, and now Jesus knows he's ascending, he's going to be gone, and what's going to happen at Pentecost? The Holy Spirit's going to be poured out, and Peter is going to be the one to share in the power of the Holy Spirit, this is that which Joel has said, and literally 3,000 people will come to Christ and be baptized, it's incredible, and, and God knows that, but he has to Take the time to restore Peter. So that's kind of the context. Now let's talk about the actual passage. John 21. You're already there. You're so good. By the way, it's twin day. I'm a twin. You didn't know? You didn't do that just for me. Thank you. I have a twin uh, sister, actually, who's much better looking than I am, thankfully. And she's smarter, too. So I got whatever was left. And uh, just kidding. I do have a look-alike, though, I hear. A celebrity look-alike. Some people say... You look like, and then they say Kiefer Sutherland. I say, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, uh, so take a look at it here, John chapter 21. And I'm not going to read everything to you, but I'm going to read what's, what's urgent. Okay, after this, Jesus revealed himself 
again to the disciples. And he revealed himself in this way. Important to understand, it goes down at the end here of this section. This is now the third time that Jesus revealed himself to the disciples after he's risen from the dead. Jesus wants to reveal himself to you. You just have to know that as you look at this text and other places in the scripture, he wants to reveal himself. Sometimes it seems if he's playing hide and seek. You're praying, nothing's happening. You're seeking him, nothing's happening. You need an answer, nothing, nothing, nothing. But he wants to reveal himself to you. And uh, this is now, again, the third time. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, it's interesting. They, they ate of the fruit, and, and the first thing they did was, oh, we better cover ourselves up, right? And they put on the fig leaves, and they, and they hid. They hid when the Lord came to them. He didn't want to leave them in that state. So he comes to them, and in coming, he wants to make things right. And he does so, not with fig leaves, guys. Animal must die. Blood sacrifice must happen. And, and, and he goes through this process that we don't really read much about, except that he says he clothed them with animal skins, you see? Well, if way back in Genesis, God wanted to come to us and not leave us in that state, here, Jesus, after the resurrection, with one of his own that has been following him now for years, he's, he's putting things right like only he can. We have to remember that we are sinners in need of a Savior. Sinners in need of a Savior. Let's go on to the next section, and I, I skipped over a lot there. You saw the story with the fishing. I'll get back to that in a minute, but let's just keep going. Verse 9 says this, when they got out on land, so, so this big load of fish, oh, it's just too good. We can't skip over it. All right. Simon says, I'm going fishing, right? Verse 3, they say, we'll go with you. This is some disciples. And they fished all night, but caught nothing. But as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. His disciples didn't know that it was Jesus. And he said, children, have you any fish? They're about 100 yards off. And they're like, no, no, cast the net on the right side of the boat. I don't know what's wrong with the left side. No, no, cast the note on the, right, on the right side. You'll find some. They cast it. Now they're not even able to haul in the fish. And then Peter, he's, uh, John actually you know, is, is like, hey, it's the Lord. And Peter's like, whoa. Uh, we we got to get, we gotta get the, the uh, coat on, and he jumps, he puts his outer garment on, and then he goes, you know, I don't know what he's doing, he's jumping in the water with this outer coat. Anyway, they get out on land, verse 9, and they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and called the net ashore full of large fish, and Jesus says, come have breakfast. And now they all know it's the Lord. So you see this incredible provision. First revelation, but then provision. God gives this incredible provision to the disciples. And it's not only just, you have the fish, go sell them. It's come have breakfast with fish that they didn't even know about. He had his own fish and then says, come bring some of yours. This participation, this participation. And, and, and this is uh, also interesting in this section. There's this charcoal fire that's set there. And when you look at this word charcoal, it's actually the Greek word. I'm not big on Hebrew and Greek. I'm still trying to live out the English, if you know what I mean. But, uh, but it's the Hebrew or the Greek word here from where we get the word anthrax. Anthrakia, anthrax. That's the word. And, and Peter now is soaking wet, and he needs to warm himself by this fire. It's early in the morning. The sun's not quite up enough to warm him. He's there. But he was also warming himself by another fire in John chapter 18. A charcoal fire. Only two places where you see 
that phrase used, that word used in the New Testament. And it's, it's, it's as if Jesus is saying, now I'm taking you back to that. Going on in verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. Then he said a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he asked him, Lord, he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And it goes on. I want to remind us of the time when Jesus first called Peter. You read about it in, I think it's Matthew 4, in Mark chapter 1, and in Luke chapter 5. They fished all night, they caught nothing, and Jesus says, now set your boat out to the deep and for a catch. It's like, oh, we, we, we've been doing this all night and caught nothing. Oh, oh nevertheless, at your word, we'll, we'll let down the nets, see? And, and Simon goes out, and they caught such a huge load of fish that they filled two boats, and the boats are beginning to sink. Do you remember that? This is at the call. And Simon Peter, it says, fell down at Jesus' knees, and he said, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. In other words, what, what, come on. What are, you, what are you choosing me for? Jesus said, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And now here in John 21, fished all night, Caught nothing, put forth their best effort, tired, hungry, frustrated, disappointed, and Jesus comes on the scene and changes everything. Absolutely everything. All the futility of their work without him. And now, in a moment, the nets are full. And it's as if he's saying to Simon, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I know that you you love me. Good. That is all that matters. Feed my sheep. In other words, remember, Peter, I knew who you were when I called you. I chose you anyway. And besides, you didn't choose me. I chose you. Sometimes I got to remind myself of that as I serve the Lord in life. Not knowing, of course, what you'll be doing, but I hope and pray you'll be committed to the body of Christ, whatever the Lord leads you in. You don't have no idea the path that God might have for you from, from this point. We used to sing the song, I don't know where this yes will lead me. Dick wrote that uh, years ago. But I'm saying yes to you. I want to obey. Yes, I love you. Yes, I trust you. Yes, I'll follow you all the way. And there comes different points where he says, now how about this? And you say, okay, yes. Some of you are laughing because you've been there. <laughs> I have a story about that I might share with you. We'll see. So Jesus here restores Peter and reaffirms the call of God on his life. Absolutely like no one else can. Restores Peter, reaffirms the call. Then in verse 20 to 22, he says this. Peter turned and saw the other disciple whom Jesus loved following him. The one who also had leaned back against him during the supper. And he said, Lord, what is... Who is that uh, going to betray you? So he's talking about John here. And, and when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? 
Jesus said to him, it is my will to he remain, that he remain till I come. What is that to you? You follow me. Exclamation point. There's an exclamation point there. And, and I believe here that, that Jesus is essentially saying, listen, Peter, I've reaffirmed my commitment to you. Now it's time for you to reaffirm your commitment to me. And, and in order for that to happen, you have to stop comparing yourself with other people. That's important because God wants you to freely and uniquely be you and have his own relationship with you personally. And you might come to a place like this and so-and-so is more gifted than I am and this one is so much better at that than I would be, but it does, none of that even matters. God uses the foolish things and the weak things, Right? It doesn't matter. He gets more glory anyway, doesn't he? So just, yes, Lord, yes. We must stop that comparison game. And what? Obey these promptings, personal promptings of the Holy Spirit. Back when we had the, a uh, couple more stories here. But when camp meeting was out there, I remember there was a couple of other youth leaders. And uh, during this, this time, I think it was 1993, I was on an internship finishing it up. And we were out here and uh, kids were coming from all over. And there was a young boy, red hair. I mean, he's probably like 40 now, but at that point he was young, 12-ish. And uh, he was kind of goofy looking, and he was, uh, I mean, he wasn't the popular kid. You could tell he, he didn't come from any kind of money. Um, he wasn't, you know, the, the one that others would want to hang out with. But, but despite the fact that other leaders overlooked this young boy, the Lord like put him on my heart, right? And just kind of whispered that to me. I, I remember... Um, during that, that camp meeting, one of the nights I had to stay up all night and watch this stuff so nobody would come from the neighborhood and steal it, and I was sleeping in the back of my pickup truck, which had a metal cap, and early in the morning, four something, I hear a little bit of rain, woke me up, okay, whatever, I, I was there, but then I fell asleep at some point when things got real quiet, didn't sleep good, and then, okay, so there I am, I'm up early. And, and the Lord impressed me to give this boy and his mom, who took him to camp meeting, some money. And they had a tent that was right out this window. That building wasn't there, but kind of where the corner of that building is right here, there was a, a small tree, 10, 12 feet high, like that kind of size, and, and their tent was right there. Now, nobody, I mean nobody even knows what's going on. It's that dark, just, just barely starting to get light. And I'm like, I don't know where the tent is. But I saw, somehow I recognized the kid's sneakers outside the tent. And I had some money, and I just quietly put that money in that kid's shoes, walked away. He just, he, who knows? I have, I've never seen the kids since. Like, I think they were leaving that day. And, um, you know, who knows? I'd love to find out what happened. But, but just the little thing that God puts on your heart, do something for somebody that's what I, what I whisper to you, you see? And we have to remember this, following Christ, it, it includes personal sacrifice. Personal sacrifice. I remember uh, in 2008, when I was asked to come back here from Brother Stacy, he said, he, he called me. We actually have on the, the message, we, we still have, there used to be these things called answering machines. Anyway, we, we still had this, and I saved these messages because it's hilarious. What you have on it was Brother Stacy calling me, and he says, I love Arca family and this and that. And he says, you know, basically, uh, we spoke about a week ago. Uh, what's the deal? You, you want to come back or don't you? I mean, he's, he's saying, let's talk. 
And what he doesn't know is that there's this struggle going on because I was in Oneonta, as was mentioned earlier, but we had just received or in the process of receiving the invitation to go down to North Carolina. And in North Carolina, I mean, let's face it, you hang around these winters much, that sounds really good, you know? So, um, so here we had family down there and, and we had sunshine uh, around the year and everything. And, and now the invitation. So you have Stacy's message, you click over, that's like Tuesday, Wednesday, 4.30 p.m., or whatever it is. This is Chief Moss with the Garner Police Department, and he's basically saying, uh, you know, let's talk, we want to make you an offer. And it's like the Lord, he, he, he almost allows these things to happen in our lives, where he, he gives you the opportunity to, you know, I mean, if the phone call came at any other point from Stacy, I'm like, yep, okay, we're there. But it's like now the Lord gives you something to say no to. It's just kind of the way it is sometimes. You have to deny yourself. And I was, I remember just crying with my wife and I said, it was really not for me I was crying. I was crying for her because following the Lord, she was giving up things. So we came back. Let me just say this to you. Jesus is worth your personal sacrifice. And not only is he worth it, but the people he died for are worth it. Whether they know him yet or not. I like to say it this way. There is no such thing as crossless Christianity. We want there to be. Oh, he went to the cross, but do I have to sacrifice? No, no, no. Jesus made it very clear. Very clear. If you would come after me, you must deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. And that means... Not my will, but thine be done. It means saying no to myself, saying yes to him. Can you say an amen to that? And then there's this issue, finally, I want to talk about, and that is this dealing with sin. As the Lord clearly, you don't see the words, I forgive you, in this passage, but there's clearly a restoration of you know, relationship that only can come when we are forgiven. And it's an important thing that we, we keep before the Lord this heart attitude throughout your life because you're, however old you are, I see lots of different ages, which is great. I don't know who's a student, who's on staff. It doesn't matter. You're going to be following Jesus, following Jesus, following Jesus. And there's going to be new opportunities to deny yourself, to take up your cross, to follow Him. And there's a, a passage that has helped keep me on point with my own heart attitude. Um, in fact, I, let me, I'll move over to the piano. I'll play a song that some of you, I heard hasn't been done here in a while. Um, but, but if you know this one, you can sing it. And if you don't, just learn it. It's real simple. Uh, but this is another one that Brother Dick wrote. And um, it's from Psalm 139. Psalm 139. It was a prayer of David. Am I double mic'd here? I think I am. Maybe, that, maybe everybody needs that. Uh, and then we'll close up in prayer. I'm doing great. Look at the time. All right. I love this.
Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me in the way everlasting, Lord. Lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me in the way everlasting. Oh God, search me, oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me. how faithful he is. Lead me in the way everlasting. 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 Lead me in the way Father, this morning, as we look to you, I'm convinced that for some of us, this message was exactly what we needed to hear. Lord, you know who that is. Thank you that you are drawing us close to your side. Thank you that you did not want to leave us in a place where we are estranged from you, where our own sin makes us feel uh, that sense of shame that keeps us from You came, and even to Peter, you made it a point before your ascension. I don't want anything to be between us. I have work for you to do. We must put this behind us. And Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness to do that. Lord, thank you that you want to reveal yourself to us in new and powerful ways. Thank you that you want to reassure us of your love. Restore us to relationship, free us from shame, and give us the humble confidence which is appropriate for sons and daughters of God to walk in. Father, this morning I pray your blessing on 
Elam Bible Institute and College. Thank you for Dr. Fred Antonelli, his leadership team, the board of directors, these students, Lord, even students yet to come. Thank you for the alumni, many, many people all throughout the world serving you. Father, we pray for a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit in this place. And not only here, but through this people that have been come to known as Elam Brethren. All over the world, as we sung it earlier, from the rising to the setting sun, the name of the Lord is to be praised. And all over the world, Elam people are bringing your life, bringing the light of your salvation to the coastlands and islands, to the inlands. We even have a daughter of two alumni here, niece of ours. She's in the middle, right in the middle of that map in the Congo, very dark, dark place. Her and her husband doing medical missions right now. Lord, we don't know where this yes is going to lead us, but we know that you are faithful and you are going to lead us every step of the way. Can you say amen? Praise God. God bless you.